everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are reviewing Star Trek Prodigy Season 1 Episode 13, All the World's a Stage. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkie, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? You know what? I'm doing quite well. Always happy to be talking Star Trek with you. Oh yeah, man. Thank you for joining. I think this would be a quick one, but you know, a fun episode to discuss and some ties into some some classic Star Trek episodes as well. So yeah, this should be fun getting into this. Indeed. And to you listening, thank you for subscribing. What we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, we're going to get right into our review of Star Trek Prodigy, All the World's a Stage which was written by Aaron J. Walk, and the episode was directed by Andrew L. Smith. The crew answers a distress call to find a colony trapped in Starfleet's past. For everyone listening, if you have not seen All the World's a Stage, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. The spoiler warning has been dropped and we are back to review this episode. But, you know, in tradition, in tradition, we always go back to Cal Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Mr. Jones, what do you have for us this week? All right, so I have a question before I give this out, and my question to you is, do you think it's serious, or do you think it's comedic? Which one? Take it. From the tone of this episode, I'm going to say it's comedic. Mm, Thank you, Clarence. I am so glad that you said that. For my bleats of the episode, for tonight on Dissecting Shrek, I'm going to say this. Perhaps it is nothing more than a reminder to all fans of the Federation that at some point we all fake it till we make it, regardless of rank, interpretation, or the color of our shirts. Or maybe, in my opinion at least, it's just damn good writing. (laughs) The Federation. (laughs) Oh boy. And let's get right into it. I'm just giving my high level thoughts of this episode. I'm going to throw it back to you, Cal. My high-level thoughts are that this was just a fun episode. It was one that tied loosely into the original series by by bringing in these classic characters in an interpretation through this alien race, which we're calling what the Enterprisians, Enterprisians, I think something weird like that. Uh, I just think it was a good love letter to Trek's past. And it provided a catapult, you know, a bridge to some of the things our crew was going, our prodigy crew has been going through over the last uh, few episodes in this season. So I loved it for that. I loved it for all the nostalgia. I loved it for, again, just being a love letter to to Trek's past and, you know, even loosely tying into this character that we saw in the episode Obsession, the 2S episode Obsession back in the day, which I I did not love that episode, by the way. <laughs> it's one where Kirk is hell-bent on, on finding this killer. I, I can't remember. Is it a cloud or entity? I can't remember what it is exactly, but he's hell-bent on finding it. Guys, if you're listening, you know what it is. I haven't watched the episode in some time, but I just know it was 
something he was hell bent on killing. I think it was an entity in a cloud or I hated the episode. Let me just say that. But we do got this tie in here to a character that was in said episode. So again, if you've seen Obsession, you know Obsession, uh, give some feedback, fans at DiscussingTrek.com or at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. But this episode in particular, Mr. Jones, what are your thoughts other than your beats? What are your thoughts on this episode? So I like clever. I mean, you know, you've been around me long enough to know I try to be clever. Sometimes it, I pull it off. Sometimes I don't. But I like clever done smart. And this to me was clever done smart. You advance the episode. You, you know, in the story, and whenever I say advance the episode, I really mean that advance the story. But in this episode, you take the characters forward in the story that you're trying to tell. So that's point number one. Point number two, you also give a nod back to classic Star Trek and specifically a story, but not so delved into that story to where, like me, not really familiar with it, I didn't miss not being familiar. I still understood what's going on. So that's point number two. Point number three the, is the cleverness of it. Think of how many times modern day people, scholars, whatever you want to call them, philosophers, etc., read an old text, whether it's religious, whether it is just an old document or whatever, and miss the context of that document and interpret it as best they can and don't get it right. Yeah. And I, I love this. I love how they played on that, but yet made it light enough to where it was just a fun episode. Yeah, yeah. Just a fun episode. To me, on the face of it, it feels like filler in a way. But then as I watched it again for this review, there are some character progression that we see ever so slightly for our main characters that is needed to for them to get to the point of we're going to leave the ship uh, at some point, maybe. And also it gives um, there's a little arc in there for Jankum Pog as well, and as well as Murph in this in this episode. Uh, as far as these alien race that we learn has been influenced by an in sun who crashed landed there in some, uh, uh is it Garrett Garrett Garavik 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 that's it Ensign Garavik that landed there some years ago. It's a prime example of the prime directive and why you shouldn't influence other cultures that aren't necessarily ready. Now, he didn't really give them technology to leave their current circumstance. But in that, as for example, there is a TNG episode, and I forget the name of the episode, but it's where Picard goes down to a, a non-spacefaring race and he gets seen uh, and, and they start worshiping him as the Picard. And it seems like a similar thing here, except you have Ensign Garavik uh, pretty much influencing these people by giving them stories and accounts of how Starflight might come at some point in the future to rid them of the gallows. So I, I really like how they put in all of this seeming, this, this nuance into the stories before and actually how we get to the reveal of, of why he had to give them give them so much information and you know how the ultimately are worshiping <laughs> or not really wor- believing believing in what starflight is even though they really have no true idea other than what the incident has told them 
Right, and even down to the name of their colony, the New Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, probably a huge prime director flag here, but if you're stranded on a planet with no hopes of leaving, but I don't know. However, they got the information conveyed of what the Enterprise actually was before Garavik died. Uh, it's just very interesting how it influenced those people and how they pretty much took that in as what their society would be going forward in large part. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if you go back to and kind of playing off of what you said, you go back to this being a pre-warp civilization. They see this advanced being lowered down from the skies in this chariot or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and, and I'm trying to think from their point of view, it doesn't matter to them that the enzyme is just a, yeah. an ensign. Yeah. It is, you know, to them, their perception is reality, literally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They did a nice job in this episode of comparing these people on this planet, you know, if they're worthy to be Starflight or Starfleet. And you kind of mirror that to what's going on with the crew of the Protostar. They, in large part, fear they're not worthy to be a part of Starfleet. But I think it was the doctor from this episode that that uh, talked to uh, Dal. And he was just mentioning about, you know, uh, you don't need a ship to believe in what the real star Starflight stands for. <laughs> Do you believe Dow is kind of what he told him. And yeah, if you believe you can be a part of Starfleet and that's the journey they're on to to, you know, even maybe possibly without their ship in the future, because, you know, you can't take it to Starfleet. Exactly. And going back to my beats from earlier, the idea of fake it till you make it mm. again, going into the perception of these people. They do not know that our Protostar crew is not really Federation. They just know that, hey, they've got similar, you know, clothing on, similar uniforms, yeah. and they've come from the sky. They're in this ship. They are Federation. Yeah. And even that extends to, you know, before they made the analogy to the Protostar crew, I was first thinking this is what the fans do. This is what the fans do. We emulate. We believe in Starfleet and we want to be a part of that. So we dress up in their clothes and cosplay and go to cons and try to be a part of this thing that even in our case, not even real, but we want to believe in it anyway. <laughs> what did you think about playing the logs, Cal? Because they literally play the logs, which I thought was very interesting and a very Star Trek thing to do stage play, which we see in this episode. Well, it goes into the title of this episode, All the World's a Stage, which I believe comes from Shakespeare. I should know that. But, um, you know, that's it's playing up, I think, this overall theme of, again, fake it till you make it. Everything's <laughs> an act. Yes. And, I, and I'm not trying to be a one hit wonder. I just think that that whole thought of fake it till you make it is so multi-layered into this story is why I'm saying it's damn good writing is, you know, there's so much going on and it's fun. Yes. Fun. You've got the actor, the voice actor that does uh, these very well nuanced impersonations of Kirk, of Spock, of McCoy, you know, all of that just so well done. Yeah, as they put it in this episode, James T. Sprock, Scott T. Hoorah, Sulu. 
but it really <laughs> sounds like him. Yeah, it's just, just great for, and we speak about fan service and properties, and this is a case where fan service done well, and you know, the story doesn't have to be perfect. They just did a good enough job to make us believe this situation could happen, and the fan service was there regardless of how much of Starflight or Starfleet this race should have been able to assimilate into their culture. That really doesn't matter. We got the premise to have this great story and get these great nods to Trek's past. And I thought that was freaking amazing. So I do have, I'm going to go, I'm going to go down the ladder just a little bit and give one, I'm not going to say complaint. I'm going to give one bit of constructive criticism of something that I wish they would have done differently. I wish that they would have had multicolored clothing on all the people. And what I mean by that is some in red, some in yellow, some in Mm -hmm. orange, some in green, you know, or blue, excuse me, or whatever the case may be. I wish they would have done that as opposed to everybody having that off grayish purple that they were wearing. Well, they did have a few in different colors. Oh, did they? Yeah, they definitely had one in red. They definitely had one in red because it was called out in the episode. But wasn't yeah. that the people that were on the stage, though? Uh, yeah, you're right. You're probably right. Yeah. Hmm. Good point. Good point. Good point. But again, not a criticism, just a constructive comment. So, Mr. Jones, the gallows. The gallows is thing to be feared. This place you should not go on the planet because people wind up getting sick and dying. Dal gets a whiff of this and winds up being sick he gets infected by uh who hoorah <laughs> and he winds up being sick our crew has to go investigate has to go investigate to save dal what is this gallows were you just in utter amazement and shock when we find out is it's the tos galileo 7 mm. well i didn't put two and two together i actually and and maybe i stepped away i actually thought the gallows had something to do with the sales that they had renamed i didn't understand the galileo until i started doing research into this for for tonight so that i didn't get on first watch and they may have said that and i stepped away and didn't see it but let me add to what I just said. I do like the fact that this thing that inspired them and, and created their culture in many ways is also what was making them sick. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Uh, definitely a great another in the, in the episode where so many great nods, we get it explained with Ensign and just another great nod here to TOS of a Galileo seven crashing here. Now, to my recollection, to my recollection, we don't see in TOS how it gets on this planet. I think it's like an off-screen thing, but still, but still, it's pretty awesome to see that it makes it here and it, you know, ultimately affects these people seemingly in a positive way. So I thought that was really good and just a great tie-in when our crew is off to uh, investigate the gallows and Dal has to go back to the ship to rescue them, but he takes. A few of these members who t- t- who probably shouldn't have known how to operate anything on a real starship, but we put in the classic consoles and they are able to help Dal operate the protostar, which I just thought, you know, I'm I'm um I can I can separate it not making a lot of sense 
because it was so cool, you know. But see, is- see, I'm, I'm going to push back on the not sense on that one just a little bit. Do you mind? Yeah, go for it, man. So I'm going to say that it did make sense because it made sense to me in this way. If they are acting out the logs, if they, yeah. this is their Romeo and Juliet. And think about how m- many times Romeo and Juliet, Macbeth, uh, Hamlet, all of the Shakespearean plays have been directly interpre- reinterpreted over the generations, as well as retold in various other stories that may not be called Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet, etc. That is their, those, those logs seem to be their Shakespearean plays. Yeah. So I think to them, they've heard it all their lives. They're going through the motions turning that bridge looking just like the enterprise or however you (laughs) want to call it it was just like setting these people in a win-win situation yeah yeah such such a beautiful thing when um when holograms anyway was you know let's turn this into the (laughs) constitution clash bridge just just so great so great other than that, in this episode, well, let me ask you this before we move on. Do you have any other points or things you want to bring out about the Enterpriseians? Uh, not other than I like the fact that you made a red shirt important. Yes, yes, yes. Justin Ensign, red shirt Ensign, who was important in that episode, if I remember correctly. But, you know, I don't think we hear from him again after that one TOS episode. And they give him a story here to where he just takes takes and i looked it up in memory alpha actually just to make sure (laughs) i was remembering correctly but it said that and i think they actually get the line that's in in memory alpha from this episode says in in a mission he takes the ship on a solo mission and he you know winds up here so then we get as much in the logs at the end of this episode so it was just good to see that great tie into a classic character there i thought was pretty great yep Let's talk a little bit about Murph in this episode. What the heck is going on with Murph? Murph is mm. sick. Uh, Rock Talk is looking after Murph. Murph is in a cocoon. Do you have any idea what's going on with Murph, man? Or do you have any hopes for what Murph may become? You know, I'm going to go a throwback, and it probably wasn't, but I got very, very big vibes of the end of Babylon 5 season 1 mm. to season 2 it that was the feeling i got when i was seeing that i was like hmm where have i seen this for oh yeah that Babylon is- 5 season 1 ending season 2 start so yeah i remember that cuz i've only watched season 1 and a few episodes in season 2 so yeah i remember the cocoon thing in Babylon 5 yeah <laughs> that's what that's what i took away from it cool yeah it's pretty amazing i hope we have big things in the future for him but we'll see i guess or them is it here i don't know whatever gender murphy is uh i see big things for them in the future well i will say this i hope uh murph whatever you know happens with murph i just hope that they pay attention to their surroundings and you know sit in places that are appropriate that's all i'll say (laughs) okay Oh, yeah. And we got a nod to Lord Dex in this episode as well. By the end, they mentioned that we don't know exactly how. Well, Dow said this. We don't know exactly how second contact is supposed to take place. But, you know, (laughs) the big second contact nod, which I thought was pretty interesting to see. uh, (laughs) See the Protostar crew mentioned that. I thought that was pretty cool. 
Yep, I did too. And and let me say this before I remember and don't say this. The guy that played the voices of uh, Dr. Boones and Sprock, um, he also plays Shax in Lower Decks. Really? I would have yes. never have thought that. Fred wow. Tatascore, I believe, or Tatascore is his name. Yeah, his, his last name is kind of hard. <laughs> I can never say it. But yeah, that, that's the guy. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I was wondering, was there any other of the original? Because that guy did a dead-on Sulu. He did. Uh, so Very I, good. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit at the beginning of the episode. We see the Dauntless, and we get a bit more of the Diviner and Admiral Vice Admiral Janeway. Any thoughts on these scenes here? Should should Admiral Janeway be a little more cautious here? I know John said that last week that he would expect the real Janeway to, you know, be a little more cautious around the Diviner who she's brought up aboard her ship. Thoughts on this scene here with the, on the Dauntless? I agree with John. I, I totally agree because, as you know, Janeway is my top favorite ca- uh, captain, well, probably one of my top favorite characters in Star Trek. That said, I go back to my analogy or my prediction that, analogy is not the right word, so prediction, that we're going to have Janeway versus Janeway. And the best way to set that up is for her to believe that the Diviner is being genuine. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Totally agreed. We get a, we do get a nod there when he's talking about Chakotay being in prison for one second, but not a whole lot from him. So we'll see where he goes in the next episode. But she should definitely have a guard up with the Diviner because, as we know, he's not to be trusted. But so it, let me ask you this. Do you think that the Diviner at this point is genuinely amnesiac, you know, or... Do you think he's playing the game? No, I think he's he's genuinely has uh, amnesia, amnesia. Yeah, okay. at this point. Yeah, but I don't think that's going to last for long, so Janeway better be ready. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and give my rating, and then I'm going to throw it to Cal Jones there. I'm going to give it a 4.5. You know, I was going to go a little bit lower, but you know what? I really enjoyed this episode. No qualms. It does kind of feel like filler, but it's not really filler. It's a very... It's an episode that pushes our characters along to the next step, which we will see in the upcoming episode. So I I had fun with it. And even the second time watching it, I had even more fun with it. So no complaints for me. 4.5. What about you, Mr. Jones? I love these characters. I love Janeway. I had fun. 4.5. I'll stay. You know, it wasn't perfect, but I love these characters. I love Janeway. <laughs> 4.5. Awesome sauce. Guys listening, what did you think about this episode? What did we fail to bring up in our review? You can send that in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. No Trek trivia this week, but we'll be back next week with Trek trivia with with our our friend and co-host Jonathan Shorts. But that's going to be it, guys. I really enjoyed talking about this episode with you, Kyle. Thanks for joining. As always, absolutely glad to be here. All right, and until next time, live logs and proper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. 
For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. been listening to the discussing network find out more at discussingnetwork.com <laughs>